when I found out, I was totally shocked. I really didn't expect that this is the second year that I've entered the show. So it was a real surprise to me. I was in the Virginia mountains painting with friends for the weekend. No phone, no internet. The president of the Colored Pencil Society called me, but I didn't get the call until Sunday when we got in the car and we're driving home. The phone uh, message came through. I figured, oh, I must have won something fantastic. And I figured I'll give her a call on Monday morning to find out. She called later that night when I was at home and told me that I had won the best of shows. So total shocker because there's so much good work in there. It's amazing. Hey guys, just a quick reminder about the printable color charts by Barb Sodi Art. If you've not picked up a chart yet, be sure and do that before, I don't know, she changes the price or she no longer offers them. I don't know. Something like that could happen. You never know. Go over and pick them up. It's sort of a palette cleanser in between art projects. It's a great thing to do. And I'll talk just a little bit more about those with Barb in the middle of the show. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Face Value Course, the Sharpened Artist Academy flagship course. Have you been frustrated trying to draw portraits in colored pencil? Do you want to draw people confidently and accurately, but don't know where to start? Or maybe you're just tired of copying another artist's line drawing. I get it. The Face Value Course, now in its fourth year, will give you the tools you need to create your own original portraits. You'll be given a step-by-step system for independent decision-making, bite-sized exercises, and live weekly office hours interaction to keep you accountable. Enrollment for the course is still open, and there's still time for you to join the 2021 cohort. Just go to the show notes for the link before enrollment closes. The Color Pencil Podcast is brought to you by UART Premium Sanded Paper. What makes it different from other sanded papers? One thing is the way that the grain is applied to the paper. There is an electrostatic charge that pulls the grain up towards the paper and is applied from the bottom up. Why does that matter? Because it's an even distribution of the grain to the paper. And so you can have very fine grains like an 800 grade on the paper, a very velvety kind of touch to the paper. If you've never tried UART sanded paper before, then go over to the show notes, click on the link, and there are seven different grades to choose from. It comes in a beige and a dark, comes in sheets, pads, rolled and mounted boards. And we thank UART sanded paper for their support of the Colored Pencil Podcast. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast. Weekly discussions in and around this medium that we love so much. Hey there, welcome back to the show. My name is John Middick of sharpenedartist.com. I'm so excited that you're here another week listening to the show or watching the show. If you're part of Member Circle, that's where you can watch the video version of the show. We often have some slides that we'll show during the interview as well. So yes, we've got another interview today. I'm so excited to welcome to the show my guest today. His name is Todd Baxter, winner of the CP Award for the International Exhibition put on by the CPSA. Todd, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, John. Good to be here. Awesome. All right. I know you're an oil painter. So when did you start 
using colored pencil. Talk to us about your oil painting and then how you made that transition or do you do both now or are you, you know, I know a lot of artists like to do a lot of different mediums. Tell us a little bit about this origin. Sure. I remember as a little kid, there was a product called Venus colored pencils and Uh it was a, it was very much like a paint by number set only with colored pencils. And it was so long ago, I can't remember if there was any quality to them or not, but I just remember loving using those as a kid. In fact, I went and looked online to see if that things, if they still existed, which they do not. It was just kind of fun. And as a kid, I just loved drawing, really didn't have any access or experience with painting. So I drew. And uh, when I got to high school, I majored in art and spent every possible moment I could Uh in the art class. And then when I got to uh, senior year, looking at college and stuff, I looked around and I didn't know one single person who made a living from fine art. (laughs) <laughs> so I thought, well, yeah, I'm going to have to make a living. So yeah. uh, I thought next best thing is graphic design. Ah. So I went to the Art Institute of Pittsburgh and uh, got an associate degree in graphic design, went to work for an ad agency right after graduation. And I did that for 40 years and oh, I wow. loved it. It was a good career. I uh, yeah. don't regret it. Same company? No, I started at an ad agency in Ohio, then I moved to the Carolinas, went to work for a design firm. Later, the design firm opened another uh, business and I became president of that. Then after that, I went on my own, just freelanced. So actually most of my career, I've been self-employed. Oh, okay. I'd say around 2010, I got the bug and decided to get back into art. So Mm. I started with what I felt most comfortable with, which was drawing. I've always had a pencil in my hand. So, uh, and I started with colored pencil, then quickly moved into oil painting. And then I just pretty much focused on that. I did not want to do 10 different mediums. So, so I wanted to take a couple and really learn to do them well. So I focused on oils and drawing. Yeah. Yeah. That's that actually, that's a good point. I mean, that's actually something that I see from time to time in new students is they'll focus on color pencil uh, or graphite for, I don't know, a month or two. And they're like, Okay, I'm ready to try oils. And after that, I'm going to try watercolor. And after that, I'm going to do gouache. And after that, and they're, they're like changing every month, <laughs> which I understand being excited and wanting to explore and experiment and that kind of thing until you find something yeah. that you like. But there's something to be said. And I think you stated that well, become more proficient in one medium. There's just a discipline that we learn about creating art, right? And then regardless of the medium, you're able to express something when you kind of master that medium a little bit. There's carryover, right? Between mediums, do you find Oh, that? yes. I mean, the same kind of design and applies to, you know, drawing or painting. You, you know, you've got the same basic elements. You've got shapes, yeah. you've got values, you've got edges, you've got color. Yeah, right. And that's what you have to tell a story with. And yeah. rather it's pencil or paint. 
Also, I found that painting affects the way I draw in a positive way. Mm. Uh, when you paint, you, at least I do, I try to quickly mass in big shapes and work okay, from big right. shapes down to detail. And it has caused right. me to do that with my drawing too, where I, you know, forget the details. I just want to mass in big shapes to tell the story. And after I get that and it reads properly, then I can start dealing with how much detail and information I want to include. So those details come at the end or towards the end, right? Yes. And I try to be very selective as to what or how much detail I put in. If you ever listen to someone tell you a, a story uh, of something that happened to them and yeah, they can bog you down in details and lose you if they start telling you what they had for lunch, what they were wearing. If you give too much information, you lose the person. And I think that applies with art too. You've got to be selective in what you tell or you lose your audience. That's very good. I, I love that. There's a cousin of my wife's that every time I talk to him, he somehow is able to weave in A&W root beer stand. I don't know how, but <laughs> every time I talk to him and, and he has a, a lot of details around that, he knows dates when he first went to one and when he last went to one and all this. Anyway, um, he is a master at that, giving you all the unnecessary details uh, before he gets to the point. So it's hard to listen to somebody like that. I think you're probably right. In the same way, it's hard to follow what's being said in a painting or drawing, right? It's kind of difficult. Like, what, what's going on here? There's too many details. Detail for detail's sake doesn't really pay off, does it? Yeah, in a drawing yeah. or painting, you need areas of interest where there's something worth studying and looking at and areas for your eye to rest that to start pleasing and not busy. Uh, yeah. Applies to yeah. painting or drawing. Right. Now, I, I noticed that uh, you do a lot of portraits and you do some other subject matter as well, but portraits is, is something I'm very interested in and, and most of my students are as well. With regard to portraiture, are you able to articulate where you think the most important detail should be? It's probably always the eyes. Yeah. You hear people say the eyes are the window to the soul and that's, right. that's how we connect with people. Yeah. Uh, so to me, that's the most important thing. Right. Right. If you guys are, are uh, watching or listening, if you go to baxterfineart.com, you can follow along and look at a lot of his artwork. Just go over to paintings and then he's got some different subject matter in there and under drawing is a lot of the color pencil work uh, and it looks like graphite work as well is that right todd graphite and also just i like to use uh black and gray colored pencils i used to do a fair amount of figure drawing uh, and drawing portraits from life uh with okay. covid all that kind of died for yeah. a while and I noticed that I really miss it and yeah, uh, you kind of lose the scale if you don't keep doing it all the time. So I'm anxious to get back to that with uh, colored pencil. You don't have to worry at all about smearing and, uh, mm -hmm. as you're working right. Right. from life, 
So you don't have to worry about that. You can't erase very well, but I usually start so light with something that rarely do I have to ever erase anything. Now, working from life, I mean, are you having models come to your studio or are you going somewhere and working with other artists as well in a group or? Uh, I used to go into Charlotte all the time. And yes, there was a group of artists. We would hire a model and split the costs and draw for two or three hours. Sure. Yeah, I've done that. I love that. Are you the only, I was the only one using colored pencil when we did that. I didn't always use colored pencil, but I mean, uh, when I did, I was the only one using colored pencil. Are you the only one? I am. Typically when that happened? Yeah. Most of the time I am painting with oils, but occasionally I will also draw. Yeah. The figure drawing was all drawing. The uh, portraits was painting. Yeah. Did you ever use charcoal? I mean, were they ever fast sketches or anything like that? Fast. We would do three minute poses. uh, Yeah. 10 minute poses and then 20 minute Mm -hmm. poses. And occasionally we do really long poses. Sounds very similar to the group I was uh, meeting with as well before COVID um, a couple of years ago. So, yeah, I, I really like that sort of thing. There's just something about the immediacy of doing that with a group and knowing you only have so much time and you can't just sit there and dilly-dally and you just no. do it. Yeah, I love that. One of the things I really love about your portraits, though, is they appear to me, when I, when I look at them closely, to be minimalistic but they're also detailed. That takes a lot of effort. You know, that old saying, I think I've seen it attributed to different people, but it's like something to the effect of, um, I didn't have time to, to, uh, write you a short letter. So I wrote you a long one. Yeah. That was me. I coined that one. You coined that one. I I figured. (laughs) So, and I, I, I think that a lot of times art is that way as well. I mean, in portraits also, it's like, you, you can, sp- you can render and re-render and just spend forever, but does it really elevate the piece? You know, I mean, there, there reaches a point where it's like saying it in a minimalistic way, uh, creates something that's just so beautiful, I think. And you can sit there and enjoy it and enjoy the medium. I've seen things that are highly rendered and look like a photo fact i saw some guy recently do some airbrushing and uh you know i saw it it looked just like a photo to me it didn't do anything for me i mean it was just like i didn't have any kind of response to it because i couldn't enjoy the medium and i didn't think of it as art as much you know it is i'm not trying to put the person down but i'm just saying for me i really enjoy being able to see and know something about the medium that's being used. Well, it's all part of a learning process. It's a great skill to be able to render everything photographically. And to me, I think once you have a certain degree of a skill under your belt, then you're freer to, to experiment and do, do what you want to do. Yeah. So it's all part of a process or a journey of learning those skills. And then you have the freedom to apply them. Leveling up, acquiring the skill, but then what are you going to do with that skill, right? What are you going to say with that skill? Awesome. 
What do you feel like a lot of times you're saying with your portraits? Uh, I guess part of the motivation for doing portraits is I love people and I find people to be the most fascinating thing in the universe. People are God's passion and, and there's nothing like it. <laughs> and so right, I just right. enjoy, uh, people trying to, uh, something you really can't put your finger on trying to capture personality of mm -hmm. an individual and not mm -hmm. just a likeness. I don't even know how to tell you how to do that, but it's, it's something I, I strive for. Oh, that that's awesome. It's just something that we're constantly working on and trying to get better at doing, or I am anyway, uh, it's not something I feel like, oh, I've mastered this, you know, I'm going to go on now to another subject. That fascination grows deeper and deeper. I think you keep learning more and more and more. So I pulled up some of your work here. If you don't mind, let's, uh, let's just go through some of these. If you don't care. The Color Pencil Podcast is brought to you by UART Premium Sanded Paper. There are so many different advantages to using a sanded paper, such as using lighter pencils like white over dark areas. That's just one of the advantages. So that flexibility allows you to keep on layering over and over again. If you've never tried sanded paper before, go over to the show notes and click on the link to get your first batch of UART Premium premium sanded paper. And we thank UART for their support of the Color Pencil Podcast. Barb, let's talk for a second about these color charts. There are still artists who have had questions about them and have not picked them up yet. So what would you say? What's the biggest reason why you think a new color pencil artist or an old one like myself uh, <laughs> might want to pick one of these up and start using it? Yeah, I think the, the biggest advantage to having these charts is that most colored pencil artists, once you start getting into colored pencil, it becomes a bit of an obsession. So, you know, Definitely. you start getting all the brands and it can be really hard to keep them straight. And I find even for myself, there are certain brands I tend to use more in my artwork. But every now and then I want to venture out or a certain colored pencil line has a, a slightly different, you know, that perfect color that I need for a piece. So having these charts for me just makes it really easy to reference that and grab the right color and forget the guesswork because a lot of times what can happen is even the barrel of the pencil isn't necessarily accurate to what the pencil looks like when you actually use it so right. what, what i find is really helpful about this because you're filling them in yourself with the pencils that you own you're getting a really accurate color representation no need for having a scrap piece of paper all the time now beside you while you're working. You just have to reference your chart. You just have to fill them in, do the work once, and then you have it as a resource for you over and over again. Awesome. Even relying on those tips, guys. I mean, don't rely on the tip. To tell you the color, that can be very deceiving as well, as we all know. So go over to the show notes and we'll have a link set up for you over there. Hey, let's talk about this one yeah. a little bit. That's uh, my sister-in-law, my wife's sister. I was up in Pennsylvania visiting one time. She said, we do my portrait. So she sat at the table and uh, I did a sketch. And something I find that when you draw from life, people holding a pose for a long time, they get very sober and you lose your 
personality because she is a very vibrant, pleasant individual. And the drawing that I did of her just didn't show that. She was very, very somber, almost, yeah. almost mad. <laughs> so, you know, I did it. I gave it to her. And the last time I saw her, I told her I've really... <laughs> Would like to redo that because I, you yeah, know, I just yeah. don't like it. So this one I did from a photo. I took a photo awesome. and did that, and it much more it represents her personality. More, yeah, it's her personality. Yeah. I love that. So if you guys are uh, listening to the audio and you're over on the website, uh, this one is Linda. Linda W. Um, is who we're looking at right now. Awesome. Love that. This one's very interesting. A lot of things going on here. I was asked by some local people to teach a workshop, and I've never taught a workshop on colored pencil. I've done a lot on oil. Uh, okay. I've done some on drawing, but never on colored pencil. Yeah. And I was kind of concerned because it's such a slow process uh, yeah. to do a one-day workshop. And so I figured I'd go ahead and give it a try. So I set up a few still lifes and I took photographs of them and I sent the photographs to the individuals uh, mm. ahead of time. And because the focus was not drawing, but rendering in colored pencil, I had them go ahead and kind of either trace or project or however yeah. they wanted to do it to get the image on the paper. And then right, we would right. do the rendering in class. And gotcha. so that was the, the sample that I did. Nice. I love that. That is so cool. That one's a uh, baby K if you're. Yeah, it's my wife's baby oh. picture. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That, that, that's pretty neat. Uh, probably more difficult than it looks to be able to render a picture inside a picture of a picture. And we kept that one fairly small so that it was something that they could get a, accomplish a lot in one day. Wow. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. 10 by eight. That is small with a lot of elements going on. Flowers, keys, tickets, a uh, pencil, that old photograph, and then a, a tag there. That is, that's something. Uh, and then the background to me looks like it's a, um, a box. Isn't it? it is. It's a piece of cardboard. That's what it looks like. Yeah. So you had texture to deal with. Right, right. There are a lot of texture, even in that key. I love that. All right. Of course, we're going to talk about this. <laughs> Unlikely champion. Congratulations. Well, thank you. It's the highest honor, many feel, in, in color pencil that there is. They feel like that is the pinnacle, right, to win the CP award. So... So congratulations. First off, this is uh, the winner you. right here that we're looking at. Um, and, and that, that watch just looks like it's, uh, real. I mean, it doesn't look like a drawing at all. That that's, that's amazing. So I know there's, there's gotta be a story. What is the story? I mean, you didn't just invent this, right? <laughs> <laughs> Correct. A couple stories. Uh, one is that uh, when I found out, I was totally shocked. I really didn't expect that this is the second year that I've entered the show. Oh, uh, wow. So it was a real surprise to me. I was in the Virginia mountains painting with friends for the weekend and yeah. they had no phone, no internet. So oh, right. the president of the Colored Pencil Society 
called me, but I didn't get the call until Sunday when we got in the car and we're driving home. The phone uh, message came through. And so since it was from the Colored Pencil Society, yeah, I figured, oh, I must have won something fantastic. And I figured I'll give her a call on Monday morning to find out. And um, she called later that night when I was at home and told me that I had won the best of shows. So that total shocker, because there's so much good work in there. Uh, Yeah. yeah. It's it's amazing. Uh, The story on this. This is a gentleman that I met through church, got to know him a little bit better okay. in a, a small Bible study. And he had a ah. well, several things. He has a very fascinating, interesting character and face. And then he also mm-hmm. had a very interesting story. Growing up as a kid, he was, he was picked on. He was bullied. Uh, he was always the last one chosen in, you know, gym class for the teens. He grew up and became a national bowling champion. He had a couple people who saw something in him and they invested themselves in coaching him. Wow. You know, it's just an amazing story that, you know, the accomplishment for somebody that everybody kind of saw as, as nothing or no one. Yeah. So, and I think there's potential and greatness in everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. and I want to be the kind of person who helps people find and discover that and not the kind of person who is on the other end of the right. fence, making fun of or tearing people right. down. We all have opportunities to do that if we're looking around for them. Yeah, absolutely. So he came over oh, oh, I love that. to my studio and I just took a bunch of photographs. I asked him to wear his team shirt and uh, bring over mm-hmm. a trophy and he's very proud of the bowling pin, which was a gift from one of his coaches. Oh, nice. So I took yeah. a bunch of photographs and, and I worked from the photographs. Since you designed this, you did the composition and everything. What made you choose to put those, uh, photos, uh, uh frame photos, I guess they are in the background. Well, again, we were in the studio. Okay. And okay. I guess kind of a happy accident. I I like oh, okay. those shapes in the background. Gives it a very natural kind of look. It looks to me, I, so, so this is my interpretation. When I'm looking at it, it looks like he is posing in front of his uh, mantle, uh, fireplace mantle is what it looks like to me. And uh, so it looks very natural. Like, okay, here, you know, here he is. He won this. He put it up there. He's proud of it. You know, that's what it looks like to me. But that's interesting. That's cool that you posed all of this to uh, all that composition. So interesting. For me, it was more the arrangement mm. of the shapes than anything. Uh, sometimes when I'm out painting, I'm, mm. it's not as much the subject matter as it is the, the composition yeah. and the arrangement of trees and shapes and things like that. That can elevate a particular painting or drawing, can't it? So when did you do this one? Was it? Just very recent, I guess. Yes, um, I did it specifically to enter in the uh, international competition. So you said you were you had entered one other time. Was that in 2020 or yes, some other the year time? before? So you started out in 2010, deciding you're gonna you're gonna work uh, in color pencil, and then you started working in oils, and 
did, so did you never leave uh, colored pencil or did you just decide to kind of rekindle that recently? Uh, for, I guess back to my advertising days when, when I started yeah. in, in advertising, it was well before computers and you had to, anytime you wanted to present a layout for an ad or a brochure or anything, you had to draw everything right. out and letter it, uh, to present yeah. a mock-up to the client before you would do the final art. And the tools right. that were used back then for doing that were markers and colored pencils. Yeah. Uh, mostly markers, but to bring in a little more information or detail, I'd go in with colored pencils. Uh, and in fact, uh, my first job when I went with an agency before markers, everybody used pastels, uh, which was just slightly before my time. Uh, uh -huh. and so they had a bunch of pastels and, and colored pencils at the agencies. They just didn't want anymore. So that's where I got my first stash of a lot of colored pencils. Uh, they just gave them to me because gotcha. you know, they didn't need them anymore. So that's kind of kept me somewhat involved with colored pencils. Like I said, when I, there was a, a good bit of trepidation in getting back into art. Cause I really hadn't done any fine art since probably a little bit in high school, a little bit in college. And then I really was yeah, away yeah. from it. And it was like, can I even do this anymore? So I finally, it took a while to work up the courage to try it again. And as soon as I did, I was hooked. And like I say, I started with colored pencils. Uh, and then I jumped into oils and I, I went back and forth, but I probably do 90% mm. oils and 10% colored pencil is the, okay. about the ratio. I, I guess I'm just kind of wondering like why, um, I mean, why didn't you enter, uh, anything in the CPSA, like, I don't know, five years ago or something like that. I didn't even know like they that. existed. Oh, I got you. How'd you find, how'd you find out about the CPSA? Uh, not far from us, there's a, an art guild and I belong to several okay. art guilds. Uh, it's yeah. good to be involved with other artists. You learn a lot. Right. And they started a colored pencil club. Okay. And so I, I went to that and that's where I learned about the, uh, CPSA. Yeah. So they were using colored pencils, I'm presuming, yes. differently than what you had ever used them as a graphic artist. And so what what was that? I mean, had you seen other work, though, that had been done um, online before that or anywhere that uh, had, you know, rendered colored pencil with sort of a fine art kind of look, like a more finished, refined look? I don't recall seeing that. Okay. Okay. So that was kind of a new thing. To me, it was drawing. Yeah. It was about drawing. And I, the tool I happened to choose yeah. is colored pencil. Uh, cause I had a bunch of them and I, I kind of liked how they worked. And, uh, but to me, you know, it wouldn't matter if it was, uh, crayons or colored pencil or whatever. Art is art, yeah. you know, and if it's beautiful, it's beautiful. Uh, yeah. And I, I guess I just kind of fell into color pencil, not by a plan or a real, real choice. Yeah. Just because you liked the medium when you started. 
Yeah. And I had access to it and yeah. Are you still involved with that, uh, colored pencil club? Yes, I am. Uh, okay. They meet once a month. And, uh, in fact, the guy that runs it is wanting to take a step down from it. And he asked me if I would head it up. So that's something I am considering. Ah, very cool. Pretty large group then I presume meeting there. COVID cut everything back, but I would say there's yeah. probably a regular attendance now of about 25 people. That's pretty big. That's pretty big. Wow. So what are your favorite colored pencils and, uh, like do you use solvent? Uh, tell me about some of the uh, tools and techniques that you use. That's something I learned a little bit about from this colored pencil club. Uh, I have typically only used colored pencil, just like you would a pencil. In a sense, I'm a very much a newbie with this. I don't know what all they can do. With this drawing uh, of Unlikely Champion that, that won yeah. the show, I tried some solvent on that on the background. Uh, oh, okay. And I don't think I put the enough colored pencil on to really have it do much. So I've yeah. got to experiment and learn about that kind of thing. As far as colored pencils, I started with Prismacolor. Uh, okay. I, all those freebies that I got were all Prismacolor. Yeah. When I decided to get back into art, I went out and bought mm -hmm. a tin of the large set of the Prismacolor pencil, colored pencil. Uh, to be honest with you, I almost threw them all out. I got frustrated because uh, the quality has gone down over the years. Yeah. So as I used my old ones... They were fine when I got into the newer ones that I purchased. They were, yeah. The quality is just not there. They don't right. care to center the color inside of the wood and they don't have no intention yeah. of fixing that. So when you sharpen right, a pencil, right. you can have all wood on one side and yeah. I hope I'm not <laughs> out of line. That's been my experience with their product. Yeah. Yeah. You're not saying anything that, yeah, that, uh, most of us have been frustrated with. It's the reason why I don't use Prismacolor Premier anymore. Uh, very rarely. So did you, um, did you go to a different brand then after that? I was ready to, <laughs> and then somebody <laughs> from the colored pencil club that I, uh, belong to said that he had a colored pencil sharpener, an electric one that works. Cause they kept breaking and I just, it was yeah. awful. What, did, what did he find that worked? I've got it right here. <laughs> it is no longer in production. Oh, we're all interested Panasonic, in that. Panasonic, <laughs> I'll tell you. Oh, that's what I thought. It's a Panasonic model KP310 and yeah. it does a phenomenal job. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people talk about that one. It, it does the job. It solved the problem. Yeah. Cause I was working on, uh, another, uh, drawing that I wanted to enter in the color pencil society. And I was going crazy with these pencils, just <laughs> constantly breaking. And that, that particular sharpener, yeah, has a lot of notoriety, um, among color pencil artists and, and they talk about it, but yeah, you can't find them. Um, <laughs> well, I, I went online. And bought a used one and I've been thrilled with it. And I'm probably going to buy it. Where'd you find it? Because uh, I've had people, I've looked for it actually before. Uh, I just Never went online and put in the Panasonic, you know. Brought you to eBay maybe? Probably either yeah. eBay or uh, 
Yeah. yeah. I've looked from time to time, but then I, yeah. I, and it was worth hunting. And it was only about $15. Right, right. Uh, and it's been yeah. great. I'm going to probably buy a second one just as a backup in case that one ever dies. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I'll have to look after we're off the interview, see if I can find any. <laughs> okay. And then after that, I met somebody who had an art supply store that his wife ran the store. She passed away. The store closed and his house was full of art supplies and he was desperate to get rid of them. Oh, wow. And I bought probably over a thousand Prismacolor color pencils for $10. (laughs) So I'm probably going to stick with them for a while, especially since Ah. the problem now is pretty well solved with being able to sharpen them and work with them. Yeah. So, I mean, in fairness, let me just say that, um, there are a lot of color pencil artists who prefer Prismacolor Premier pencils. That's that's their uh, pencil of choice, and uh, they're cheap enough that if they break, they just frown and go on. <laughs> um, and you know, it's just part of the part of the process, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's not it's not everyone's favorite pencil, but it is uh, some color pencil artists prefer them. So, nothing wrong with that. All right, very cool. I lo- love that. Uh, so do you think you're going to keep exploring, uh, different techniques in colored pencil when, when you have that 10% of your time that isn't dedicated to oils? Uh, I'm actually, yes, I will do some experimenting. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've played a little bit with, uh, water soluble colored pencils and different things like that. Uh, so yes, I want to experiment some with that and, uh, also just rethinking, do I want to invest and shift more of my time to colored pencil, uh, and take away a little bit from the oil painting. What, what paper, um, is this unlikely champion, um, completed on? It is Stonehenge. Okay. Yeah. You like Stonehenge? Uh, yeah. yeah, I do. Uh, yeah. it's a nice soft surface uh it will take a lot of colored pencil a lot of layering um Mm -hmm. so i like that another one that i use is canson and i don't know if i'm pronouncing it properly that me tenants uh oh yeah i've i've heard it pronounced probably 20 different yeah i don't know how to pronounce it but that i especially like for quick drawings and quick sketches uh and i always use the back side of it with less texture yeah not that waffle cone kind right. of texture or whatever. Um, I just couldn't get as many layers on that. Um, is is the only difficulty I've ever had with that paper. But yeah, for quick sketches, I could see that. Yeah, for the quick sketches, uh, I'm usually just using right. one color or maybe a white yeah. for a highlight on a toned paper. So I'm not building thick, thick layers. So it works well right. for that. One other paper I've tried is a drafting film. That was kind of fun. I experimented with that where you can use a solvent and you can move your, your color around. Right. Uh, you can erase it, which you normally can't do. You can use both sides of the film to really get dark darks or a soft, hazy feel. And there's one or two drawings in here that, that I did do on that. So it was kind of fun to experiment with. 
So have you used pastel mat or have you used uh, any kind of sanded paper? Have you tried those yet? Years ago, I was at the beach and I did some sketches on uh, uh, the sanded paper with colored pencil. And I like the feel of it. It was a very, very different. It was very loose. Um, Mm -hmm. Then later I bought, I guess recently I bought uh, some sanded paper and it must not have been a good quality and I, it's really thin and I just don't like it. Interesting. Yeah. There's, there's so much, um, yeah, there's just so many different techniques, right? I mean, but if you find something that works and that you like, that's, that's a, I think that's a, a real win. You mentioned that there was some trepidation in kind of going on your own and creating fine art and that, uh, can we talk about maybe those obstacles? They're, they're more of the mind, right? Yes. Uh, again, just that it's been, it had been so long since I really did art. And I wasn't even at this point talking about going on my own. I was just talking about just doing it, <laughs> sitting down yeah. and painting. And it's like, is this going to be awful? Will I even be able to do it? Uh, yeah. So there, there is a little bit of fear involved in that. But at some point I had to just, I'm going to do it. And something too, that, that I have started, uh, teaching regular oil painting classes in my studio two days a week. And from teaching, you learn an awful lot. You learn the most from teaching. Uh, true. You may do something that's intuitive, but you don't know why. Yeah. And if you're teaching, you have to find out why so that you can Mm -hmm. articulate it to the students. Mm -hmm. Uh, but one, I had come up with some kind of rules for myself and I share those with the students and if, if it helps them and it works for them, great. But one of those rules was no fear of failure. Mm, You can't create good artwork. If you're afraid of making a mistake, it tense up, you can't be free. You can't create well, uh, you're not going to do your best work. If you're afraid of making a mistake, it's just a piece of paper. It's just a canvas. So what if you mess up? That's part of the learning process. So you can't be afraid of messing up. Uh, there's no real harm done. If you're a brain Mm -hmm. surgeon, you might have to have a different philosophy, but for art, you know, (laughs) no big deal. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You can change it, right? You can, you You can change it. You can start over. Oils are incredibly forgiving. You can wipe off, you can paint over, uh, you know, it's hard to do something that can't be corrected. It always seems like there's so much, um, I don't know, fear or whatever related to oil painting. Like people are so scared of that. And to me, I mean, I, I used to oil paint back in uh, my early twenties and, and, um, Honestly, it was, it was easy, uh, in some ways because of how you could just totally change it. Yes. Uh, but I don't know why there's so much fear around it and, and like, it's going to be just this most difficult thing ever. We have um, unrealistic expectations. Most artists, it's perfection is your enemy. Yeah. It's not an attainable goal. And that's one of the other things I tell my students aim for growth, not perfection. Perfection is unattainable and it's only going to keep you frustrated. 
you think that's it? Like they, they've built up something in their mind. They're like, this is what it's going to look like at the end. And this is what I'm going to attain this time when I complete this project. If we can isolate it just to just one, you know, art project. And then if they don't hit that, then they become discouraged. Um, yeah, I guess maybe that's right. And, and it's a skill that takes a long time Mm -hmm. to acquire a lot of effort Mm -hmm. and you never, you never reach (laughs) that. There's always room for growth. There's more and more Mm -hmm. to learn, uh, more skills to acquire. Uh, and that's part of the fun of it is that, you know, you don't reach a plateau hopefully, and that's it. Uh, There's. It can always grow and get better. Uh, but yeah. artists by most, most of the time are perfectionists and they're very hard on themselves. This should be fun. <laughs> right. And if, if, yeah. if you're getting frustrated and angry all the time, you need to reevaluate your approach and what you're thinking and expecting. Yeah. I think it's hard sometimes for an artist to be happy with um, that goal of growth, you know, okay, at least I learned something from this, you know, but I think there's a lot of wisdom in that, that make that your goal. I love that. That is very well said. Growth is the goal. Hmm. Yeah. And putting in those reps, right? And one of the things I think is very important is sketching, working daily, uh, in just that hand-eye movement and coordination and looking and rendering and that kind of thing, rather than just saying, okay, this is going to be the perfect piece. Doesn't exist. <laughs> the perfect piece. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't exist, does it? Yeah. Well, I do spend a fair amount of time looking at other artists' work, mm-hmm. and I try to evaluate it and what do I like yeah. about it? Why do I like it? But it's never my goal to be somebody else. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It's exhausting if you're uh, trying to be someone else, uh, and I think that's true with art too. You know, if you're an imposter, if you're actually not who you are and who you project to be uh, uh, in real life, you know, in in as a person, then that's exhausting, right? You gotta pretend to be somebody else. But I think it's true in art too. I mean, you've, if you're trying to be someone else. That would be exhausting. Um, and, and there's a balance to that because part of the classical training for art was to copy the masters. Sure. And there's oh, yeah. good, there's yeah. a lot I've of value that, yeah. in that. And I've done a couple right. paintings of copying of the masters and it's yeah. a good education. Uh, mm-hmm. But again, it, I, I've never put a whole lot of emphasis on style. Uh, mm-hmm. it's just who I am just comes out. So you're thinking more it, I'm going to read between the lines here. Okay. <laughs> it feels to me like you're thinking probably more about, uh, composition, what makes good art, what you feel like you want to express and that kind of thing. And then that style kind of just wins out over time. Right. I mean, that's expressed just because of who you are, who Todd is. Yeah. If you've ever, uh, painted with a group of people and you're all painting the same subject. Yeah. And it's fun to go around and look at everybody's painting of that same portrait. And the, each one may look like the individual, but they're a totally different take. And that's because part of you 
comes out on that canvas or on that paper. Uh, and it's hard not to be yourself. You have to make yeah. an effort not to be. When you get up in the morning, do you have like a specific thing that you do, like some kind of ritual or habit, like what kind of studio practice do you have? Or is, are there rituals that kind of, you know, guide your, your day? Coffee is essential. <laughs> hey, man, after my own heart right there. <laughs> um, before I go to the studio every morning, my wife and I get together and we do prayer and worship. And, and then after that, I go into the studio I spend some time reading the word. I would like to, I've got room for growing and being better organized. Some days I'll jump right in and start painting or drawing on a project that I've got going. But there's a lot of business involved too. I've got, you know, shows, I've got workshops, uh, I do newsletters and, and that eats up a lot of time too. So, you know, I, I try to make a list of these projects. Some days I don't paint at all. I do the business end of it. Other days I just paint. I think I could do a better job of reevaluating my time and, and doing blocks of time where this is, I'm going to paint and I'm not going to do anything else. Yeah. Um, and that's something I need to address. That's difficult. I, yeah, I, I hear you there. That that's very difficult. It can be overwhelming to, um, for someone just starting out, you've been doing it for a little bit, but I mean, Someone just starting out, it's overwhelming, especially when you are your own boss. Uh, you get to decide how to hang yourself. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, it's a wide open day. I don't have any bookmarks so, yeah. um, as far as like when I start, when I end. Um, but yeah, it can be, it can be very difficult. Uh, is your wife also an artist? We both met at the Art Institute of Pittsburgh. Teenagers, huh? Pretty close. <laughs> yeah. Married young, about 20 and 21. Uh, wow. And we've got four kids and 10 grandchildren. Uh, oh, wow. But she got out of art. She is a pastor. So she doesn't do any art at all anymore? Other than she'll do a little bit of uh, graphics on the oh, computer. Okay. She's. It's been a real blessing to me because she is. she is so good with the computers. Um, mm -hmm. she can figure that all out. It's intuitive to her. I hate yeah. them. <laughs> I really struggle with it. I went from yeah. as graphic design, kind of knowing how to do everything from photo retouching yeah. to illustration, to typesetting to everything to yeah. computers where it's just not intuitive to me. And I struggle with it. When I get stumped, she's able to come help me. Well, that's good. So let me ask this. If, you know, you're talking to someone brand new, let's just lay colored pencil aside. Um, somebody brand new to art in general or drawing in general, and they're wanting to um, become a fine artist or start doing more art, maybe even on the weekend, they've got a day job or something. What, what advice uh, would you give? that individual i'm thinking this this will be kind of repetitive and that is to don't be hard on yourself you know this this isn't easy <laughs> uh you start wherever you're at and you grow you learn things 
and it, it should be fun. If it's not fun, go do something else. You know, I, sure, there's going to be times when it's frustrating and you, you get upset. I mean, that's part of it, but, but it shouldn't be where you're at all the time. I also, like when I have a new student, I ask them if, they, if they're interested in bringing in a couple samples of their work so I can see where they're at. Uh, mm-hmm. That's helpful. And then trying to assess or at least be thinking about as you're doing things, where do you want to go? Is this, is this basically a hobby, something you just want to do for fun? That's great. Nothing wrong with that. Is this something you want to pursue as a career? Uh, just, you know, be thinking about those kind of things. Uh, don't necessarily have to have an answer on the spot, but be thinking about where you want to go, what you want to achieve in this. When you think about the future though, I mean, like, so what are you, uh, what are you looking forward to? What are you trying to do like within the next few years or so? That's something I have been asking myself and not. It's in the process of trying to determine that right now, honestly. Uh, Number one is, uh, you know, again, uh, I love what I'm doing. And if I did nothing else, I'd be, I'd be quite happy. Uh, Yeah. I love doing the art. I enjoy teaching. I never, it surprised me. I didn't know if I would enjoy teaching or not. Uh, Mm -hmm. People kept asking me and I'm thinking, I'm so new at this. I shouldn't be teaching. Well, eventually I said, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I loved it. I, again, I enjoy people and I have a good time with them yeah. and I think they're learning and I'm helping them. So yeah. it's good. Uh, want to always keep my family as top priority. Uh, and yeah, well, you got a lot of grandkids running around, I'm guessing. Yeah. And they all live close by. So <laughs> we see them. Oh, that's nice. I've been just thinking about where, where I want to go. And I haven't actually determined that right now. Do I want to pursue trying to reach the national level? I, I'm just not sure yet about that. I am at a good place in life right now where I don't really have to make a living at art. I am totally debt free. I can live off of social security and nothing else if I wanted. Uh, so nice. I'm not, yeah. I don't have the pressure that I have to sell X amount of work right. to survive. Right. Uh, so that's kind of a nice place to be in kind of where I'm at right now. So uh, I don't know that I can answer that right now. I'm praying about it and you know, where, where do I want to go next? What do I want to yeah. do? Doing what you're doing and loving what you're doing. Uh, there's something, something to be said about that and contentment and, uh, just being minimalistic. There's a lot of great things that happen (laughs) when you embrace that. Well, Hey, uh, in wrapping up here, Todd, I mean, is there anything that you'd like to say that we haven't covered yet? One of the things I did when I first started with art, I connected online with somebody who was fairly successful, was doing this full time and making a living off of it. One of the things he said that if you want to be good at anything, if you want to be good at painting, you have to paint, 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 and then paint some more. You've got to invest the time in it. You, it just doesn't, Yeah. you know, you can't put a pencil under your pillow at night, go to sleep, and you're going <laughs> to, you know, acquire those skills. It takes time and effort. It's not, uh, 
It's not breakthrough news or anything. It's just the way it is. We kind of know that, but it's hard to have that long-term approach and think about it as like, okay, I am going to work at this. I will get better. But sometimes we just want to, you know, take a shortcut and they usually lead to a long cut when we do that. I mean, (laughs) just putting in the reps, right? I think that's so good. Well, even in painting, I try to break things down to simple steps. Uh, you you can look yeah. at a, a a painting and there's so much information in there it can overwhelm you to the point you don't want to even start. But Eight. if you can break it down to, you know, I'm not even going to use color. I'm going to start with sepia tones and just build the shapes and the values. And, and then after I get that established and it feels good, the next step, I'm going to start adding color. So anything you want to do, if you can try to break it down into smaller simpler achievable steps yeah because it's so easy to get overwhelmed years ago when i first started painting i i would set up just something simple a coffee mug or an apple or something like that and i'd set the timer and i would do a painting in half hour then i quit it forces you to ignore detail to focus on what is essential to capture, to be able to communicate what's going on. So it's just a good exercise. It's not necessarily going to be a great painting, but it's a good exercise. It's like doing those push-ups for, for painting. Yeah. If you only sit down and you're like, I'm going to create exhibition art, I'm going to create gallery art. (laughs) You've got so much pressure on your shoulders at that point. Then you've just really built something up in your mind. There's no need for that pressure. It's got to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's been wonderful. And again, congratulations on your on your recent win here. It's so oh, thank you. This has been fun. Awesome. All right, guys, if you are new to the show and you enjoy the show, consider leaving a five-star rating and or review over on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever. Apple Podcasts is a preferred place to leave a rating and or a review. But uh, we're available everywhere, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you're listening right now. You can reach out to the show, reach out to me personally, podcast at sharpenedartist.com. The show comes out every Monday, but the video comes out early over in Member Circle, part of Monthly Sharpener. So appreciate you listening week to week, and I'll see you back here again. Until then, take care and stay sharp. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.